Now it came to pass that there was a group who called themselves fishermen. But there were many fish and all of the waters all around. And in fact, the whole area was filled with streams and rivers and lakes, all teeming with fish of all shapes and all sizes and all kinds of species. And as all of the area was filled with fish after fish after fish for weeks and weeks and months and months, and year after year, the fishermen would meet together to discuss fishing. They talked about how fishing was their life's calling, and they talked about how their mission statement involved devoted fishing. They sponsored national campaigns to promote fishing and to teach other fishermen how to effectively fish. These men started a whole new area of study called fishology. But one thing they didn't do, however, was actually fish. The board of fishermen filled with great men of amazing vision and amazing integrity. And the leader of the group was really, really great at telling fishing stories, but none of them fished. Till one day someone visited and, and sat in on one of their meetings about fishing. And as he sat down, as he listened, finally he got the courage uh, to stand and to speak. And as he stood and he spoke uh, to these men, he said, hey, I don't really believe that you are really fishermen. Of course they are. Of course they, we are, the leader said and, and declared and, and said, when we began following our master, he told us that he would make us fishers. He, he declared that that's what he would do with us. Yeah, but the stranger said, are you really fishermen if you never really catch a fish? Or you never really put your pole in the water. Or you never really even visit a river. Are you really fishermen? The whole crowd was stunned in silence because they had never thought that being a follower would require them to do something like that. They never considered the difference between talking about fishing and actually fishing. And Jesus, when he invited that first group of followers to come after him and to be his initial boys, uh, he told them in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, you come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when Jesus invited that first group to come, and, and, and boys like Peter and Andrew and James and John, the first four in the boat with Jesus, they were fishermen. So it hit home for them. And this declaration of what he was going to make them, uh, they understood perhaps a little bit better. But they spent three plus years with Jesus. And they walked with Jesus. And they got to know Jesus. And they learned about Jesus. And they learned uh, from Jesus. And, and they saw miracle after miracle. And, and they saw him carve up his critics verbally over and over again. And, and these followers who were fishermen eventually became fishers of men. Eventually. All followers become fishers. Still true today. That if you follow Jesus long enough, eventually you will fish for men. And, and some of us have gone fishing. In other words, we went fishing in the past, but we're a lot like those fishologists if we don't do it anymore. 
And, and I've spent a lot of time wondering why people have such a difficulty uh, talking to others about Jesus and why that's the case. And I think one of the reasons is people just get so nervous and, and there's this wave of anxiety that hits them and, and, and sweeps over them to the point of panic. You ever broke out in a cold sweat at, at the thought of telling people about Jesus and you, to the point you start to stutter and, and you can't breathe? When it comes to sharing your faith and it comes to having faith-like conversation, it's so foreign and it's so outside of our comfort zone. Yet all of us are are, are so grateful that someone talked to us. And, And we're so grateful that somebody invited us and we're so grateful that somebody shared with us, yet we're so reluctant to return the favor uh, to others and and to those outside. And I'm so grateful that somebody shared the message with me. I'm so grateful that somebody invited me to church. I'm so grateful that that I was taken to a youth camp. I'm so grateful for a a man named Leroy Faith who was in his 60s and still went to youth camp every year and taught junior high boys Sunday school every Sunday on into his 60s and 70s and, and made sure that that little young, shy, introverted boy understood what it meant to come to Jesus Christ and and, and to share about Jesus with me. And why is it so important for us to talk about our faith? And why is it so important for us to share Jesus with others? Because this is the fact, the whole idea of the gospel, all of the packaging around the good news, listen, it's not intuitive. It's not something you just come to and and you trip on all by yourself through some sort of meditation. No, no, this is not something that just comes to you. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is, is Christianity, and Christianity is about an event, and an event that happened in history, in real history. And to know history, somebody has to tell you about it. And somebody has to share that with you. And somebody has to uh, help you with it. Christianity is something that is seen and heard. And the only way for someone to experience that which is seen and heard is for some of us to show and tell. Francis of Assisi is credited with the quote uh, of saying that I want to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary I will use words. That's like saying feed the hungry. And when necessary, use food. It's always necessary. In fact, Jesus declared when he said, how will they know unless someone tells them? And beautiful are the feet that that carry the gospel. Words are always required for somebody to get and understand the gospel. Listen, and we're so grateful for someone who showed us. And we're so grateful for someone who told us, who hooked us and, and reeled us into the faith and into this relationship with Jesus. But sometimes we're so hesitant to throw our hooks into the water. So let's just admit this today. Sometimes we're afraid. And we're nervous and we're scared. We're afraid of what those people will think. That they may think, oh, you're one of those people, right? And we're afraid that we'll be rejected. We're afraid that we'll be told no. We're afraid that we may hurt a relationship that we've been building and the bridge that we've been laying, maybe we'll destroy it and blow the whole thing up with one sentence or with one statement. And once we bring God into the mix and we bring God into the conversation, then it may go south in a hurry. And the crazy part about Jesus, 
big plan for evangelism is those first four guys he picked, those first four fishermen in the boat, he didn't go out and find the most outspoken guys. In fact, last week we looked at this text through Mark's eyes. I want us to go to Luke today and look at it through Luke's eyes in Luke chapter 5 because Luke gives us a few more details and a a little bit bigger picture. And I intended to begin reading in in verse 8. And last night Meredith and I were looking at this passage together and and, uh, she said, you know, one time you said something out of verse 4 and I wrote it down in my Bible. I want to take you back to verse 4 before we jump to verse 8. And it says, when he had finished speaking... He said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Every campus, I want to hear you say the word deeper. Say deeper. Go out into the deeper water and let down your nets to catch some fish. I want you to write this down in your Bible. Deeper is where more fish are. Deeper is where more fish are. Listen. Don't believe the notion that deeper is when you sit and meditate and learn doctrine after doctrine after doctrine and you fill your head to the point it's going to blow up like a tick full of blood. Listen, that's not deeper. That's not deeper. Deeper is where more fish are. Deeper, the deeper believers, the deeper saints, the deeper ones who go deep with Jesus, they go into the deep water where there are more fish and they obey the Lord with what they have been given and they apply from the Lord the scripture on their heart that they have been given. Look down at verse 8 at what he says. Simon Peter, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh, Lord. Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were so amazed. Jesus replied, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. Question, why did Jesus say, don't be afraid? It's not a hard question. He told them to not be afraid because they were afraid. And they were scared. The greatest command in all of Scripture, do you know what it is in terms of frequency? Fear not. The greatest command in terms of frequency over and over and over and over again in the Bible is don't be afraid. Fear not. And here's the Son of God starting his mission, looking for his followers. And the first thing he has to talk to them about is don't be afraid. Quit being scared, guys. And if you're scared to share your faith, I want to say to you today, you're in pretty good company with the boys who started this whole thing. And last week we looked at the story of Peter and we looked at the story of John in John chapter 4 as they were walking into the temple. Remember, the beggar was sitting there by the gate and he asked for food and he asked for water. And, and, and you know, Peter looks at him and says, food and water, I have none, but what I do have, I, I will give you. And, and so this whole thing turns into a frenzy and people start understanding Jesus is the one. So the religious leaders called the boys in. They had a conversation with them and they said, boys... Who told you you could talk about these miracles? Who gave you permission is what the whole conversation reeks of. Who gave you permission to do that? And their response was, there's only one name. There's no other name under heaven or on earth whereby men may be saved. And you rejected him. And he died, but he rose again for your sins. That's what they said to these guys. So what happens to these guys? They slap them on the hand, right? And they give them this warning and they say, you're free to go, but but you need to be quiet about this Jesus guy. And they had to be walking out of there going, whew, right? 
I mean, that was a close call. Somehow we dodged that bullet. That was really, really close. It was awful close. And, and maybe we should move this whole operation outside of the city somewhere. Maybe we should leave Jerusalem and get out of the, the hubbub and out of the spotlight and go up north near the Sea of Galilee into some smaller towns where, where you know, the critics are not nearly as prevalent. Maybe we should uh, move this thing. But get this, they get home to all their friends who had been praying for them and been praying for their safety and praying for their release. That's the context. These guys have been having a prayer meeting for these guys that have been captured. And in verse 23 of Acts, look what it says. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. Now look at verse 24. When they heard their report, in other words, The way that this is playing out is when all of the crowd who were now followers of Jesus, and by the way, think about the timing of this, more than half of them are brand new converts. The paint's not even dry. Christianity is just getting started. They're still learning the ropes. They're still walking this thing out. And when they heard what happened and they heard what the religious leaders said to them, all of the believers, the Bible says, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. They began to pray together. Now, now you, you hear that and you have to think time out for a second But because we got to pause for a second as we think through this. This group of believers, these are the very first believers in Christianity. This thing is just getting started. First week of school kind of thing. And as this Christianity is just getting started, they, they have to be thinking, we can't lose our leaders. Right, These two guys, these are the two main leaders. we, we got to protect them. We can't let them go out there and get hurt. We can't let them get out there and get killed. These are the first leaders. We, we have to protect them. we got to be much more safe about this. And, and as they pray, did they pray, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day? Because that's how we start it, right? That's how we start our prayer. Thank you for this day. And after we say thank you for the day, you know, now we're going to move down into some serious stuff where we pray the really serious stuff, help me, protect me, and bless me. Sort of like all the prayers we pray, right? Help me, bless me, and protect me. In Jesus' name, help me, bless me, and and protect me. Close call. We got to be more careful next time. We got to watch what we're doing, but that's not how they prayed. And that was not at all their prayer. That they knew better. Why? Because they had had the aha moment that beat all aha moments of all eternity. And they started connecting the dots in the scripture and all the things that they had been taught with what Jesus had been living and showing them. And they looked back through history to Moses and Abraham and David, and they thought about these pillars of the faith and what they had said and what they had prophesied. And, and they thought about the fact a Messiah is coming and his name is going to be Jesus, and the Messiah did come. And his name is Jesus Christ. And now they get a chance to be players in this huge drama that is unfolding. So they better not miss their chance, right? They better not let it pass them by. And so instead of praying for safety, they they pray this way. Look at it in in the book of Acts in chapter 4. O sovereign Lord. Is where they started. In other words, God is in control. That's how they begin the prayer. 
And even if our guys get punished, and even if our guys get harassed, and even if our guys get captured by the religious leaders, and even when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, when it looks like we've lost control, we rest in the fact that God is in control. Oh, sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Maybe we should start all of our prayers like that. The God who controls the heavens and the God who controls the earth and the God who created all of those things. We're talking to you. And in verse 25, they say, You spoke, God, long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. We remember the song that we memorized as children out of the Psalms for the Jewish boys and memorizing the scriptures and learning the songs. And they had learned the song about a coming Messiah. And that when this Messiah would come, it wasn't going to be smooth sailing. And when the Messiah would come, it's not all going to go our way. And when the Messiah shows up on the, t- on the, on the earth, that, that the nations will be so angry. And, and he goes on and he prays and he says, why, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with such futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. And the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. And all of a sudden, it dawns on them, wow, we've seen this. This is what we've been watching. This has been fulfilled right before our very eyes. That's exactly what has happened, that the kings of the earth, that's Herod and Pilate, who who killed Jesus. And the very words of Psalm number two were fulfilled right there before their eyes, then and there. And as they spoke the words of Psalm two that that speak of God's sovereignty and speak of God's control, you you skip down to, to verse 28 and look at what they says. But everything they did, who? Herod and Pilate, all of them, was determined beforehand according to your will, God. In other words, God is in control everywhere. In other words, Jesus Christ's death was a part of God's plan the whole time. And in this moment, suddenly this group of boys, they get it, that God has been up to something and we're a part of it. We're a part of what he's doing, and God has been planning this whole time, and we are standing right now on center stage. So what are we going to pray from the center stage? How are we going to frame our request that we take to God Almighty? Are we going to do that by asking for safety and protection and blessing? Bless me, protect me, keep me safe. Verse 29, and now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great blessing. Great spiritual insight. Give us great popularity, God. No, 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 that's not what he says. Every campus, say it together. Give us great boldness. In preaching your word. Give us great boldness. 
They didn't pray, God, would you do away with our enemies? They didn't pray, God, get rid of these enemies. Because who knows, maybe God wants to use the enemies. And maybe God is using them as chess pieces in this story that is playing out. They didn't say, God, don't let us be arrested. They didn't say, God, don't let us be persecuted. Because who knows, God may be using us being persecuted. He may be using us being arrested for the sake of the gospel. They did not pray that. They said, let us be bold in the face of the threats and let us not be afraid. You ever pray like that? You ever tag that on to the the end of our little prayers, Lord, protect me, bless me, and help me? But if you don't, God, at least give me the boldness and the courage to talk about you while I'm walking through the fire. Do you ever pray that? I don't think the church of Jesus Christ prays those kind of prayers anymore like they should. Because in our estimation, it's all about me. And I'm the one who's in control. And and somehow I think I'm sovereign over my life. In other words, somehow I believe I'm the one calling the shots over my life. And I'm so concerned with my activity and what I've got going on and, and, and what concerns me that I forget that God has invited me to something much larger than myself, to be a player in the midst of what he is up to in this world. And do you know why they could pray that? Because they understood God is sovereign. And he is going to do what he wants to do. And he is currently in the midst of doing something. And all of this is part of what he is doing. And Peter being harassed and John being harassed and people being arrested and people being put to death for their faith. It's a page in God's great big playbook called the gospel. And so instead of trying to rewrite God's plays, they decided, you know what, we're going to run the play that he wants run. And this is the playbook and let's play it out. And let's Let's be bold as we play about. And and let's just think about what is meant here and what is implied in this text. That God has a plan and that God has a playbook and he wants you to be a player in that playbook. And, And of all the people in the world that God chose, you get to be a part of what God is doing. And that is so amazing. And that is so awesome to think about. That, that especially if you were the kid that got chosen last in dodgeball. That you're the one that got passed over in, in PE or at recess. That now you're the one that gets to be picked first by God Almighty. The sovereign God. And, and, and you know what boldness is? Let me just sidebar for a second. Boldness is not about volume. And it's not about being loud. And boldness is not the group that stands outside of baseball games and events with pickets and shouts at everyone going into the event, that everyone's going to hell and everyone is bound for a real place called hell. Listen, that's not boldness. That's something else. That's need a doctor something else. (laughs) Boldness is the soft-spoken woman in the company who decides she's going to invite her CEO to church. 
Boldness is when someone gets in the car and drives two hours to tell their daddy about salvation and about Jesus because they know that there's an end coming and when they die and go to heaven, they want to make sure their daddy is there with them. That's boldness. Boldness is handing that CD or, or, or that book or boldness is saying, I know this is uncomfortable, but could we talk about Jesus? Boldness is through your personality. Listen, however God has designed you, through your gifts, whichever ones God gave you, simply speaking up when the opportunity arises. That's what boldness is. Boldness is finding a place to serve in your local church family and partnering with thousands of people so that when others bring someone to this place, that they won't be distracted, that they can actually meet Jesus. Boldness of the first disciples and the first Christ followers in Jerusalem, it set off a chain reaction that you and I feel to this very day. It was the match that was struck and thrown into the fire of dynamite that blew this movement called Christianity up. And so last week I gave you homework. I hope you did it. I got an email last night from our server the church dot at forward slash my stories and my son had gone on and done the homework and he did it from my email address and it came to my email and I got to read it and it was so short and it was so to the point and it was so not wordy <laughs> but here's the homework this week and if you didn't complete last week's assignment I want you to complete last week's assignment giving you grace and and an extension on the deadline. But this week's homework, I just want to encourage you to start praying prayers like that. To start praying prayers, oh Lord, give us boldness in, in sharing your son and preaching your word. Give us that kind of boldness. But, but what happens when you do that? Well, a couple of things happens when you pray bold prayers like that. The first thing is, is that you will become more aware of opportunities. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. When you begin to pray bold prayers, like give me boldness in preaching your word and sharing your son, you will see opportunities like you have never seen before. You will start looking for them. You will start praying for them. I heard it this morning. As a gentleman said, hey, I bought a car yesterday and while I was buying a car because of the bold prayers I've been praying I I talked to him and he's coming to church this morning I'm all of a sudden I see opportunities I didn't see before the second thing that will happen is you will be forced to face your fear the fear of broaching the subject the fear of taking the stand the fear of standing out You'll be forced to face it. And and do you know why we should be bold? Let Let me give you a few reasons why we should be bold. Number one, God is still sovereign. Right? He's still large and in charge. Why would we uh, fear when, when we serve a sovereign God, a God who can take the crucifixion of his son, the butchering of his son on a cross, and plant it right in the middle of history and make it the changing point of our lives? What on earth do we have to be afraid of? Nothing. The second reason we should be so bold is that God's still active. Not only is he sovereign, he's still active. Listen, Jesus said this, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. To to which his followers, the 12 guys, had to have said, what's a church? 
They didn't even know what a church was. And, and here we are 2,000 years later, and there are churches all over this planet in every nook and cranny. Do you know why? Because Jesus is still alive, and he is still active. And Jesus said, I want you to go into every nation, and I want you to make disciples of all people, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And today there are Christians all over the world in every corner of the globe. Why? Because God is alive, and God is still active. Third reason to be bold is you've been invited to be players in God's plan. You have been invited to be players in the plan of God. How in the world could you possibly justify sitting on the sidelines? I've got great news for you today that, that you can sit there your whole life on the sideline and God's still sovereign and God's still active. And God's going to do what he wants to do. And God is going to build his church. And he is going to grow his church. And he is breathing life into the souls of men and women. He still cares about souls just like he did in the beginning of Scripture. And Herod couldn't stop him. And Pilate couldn't stop him. And you can't stop him. And I can't stop him. That's great news. But here is the question. Why in the world would you sit this one out? Why in the world would you get to the end of your life and, and go, you know what, God? I raised a family. And I made a few bucks. But you know, faith, that's a private thing, God. Just between me and you. And I, I wanted to keep that to myself and I wanted to hold that closely. And I didn't want to upset anyone, God. What an opportunity missed. And, and what an opportunity squandered and wasted because of fear. And because we lost sight of the fact that God is still active in the world today. And I have the privilege, and you have the privilege, and you have the honor, and I have the honor of being a player in the great big plan of God. And he, we ought to just pray, God, would you enable me to speak your word with boldness and not worry about the outcome? Because you know who's in charge of outcomes? God. Sovereign God, large and in charge God. We're just players. We're just privileged people allowed to be a part of the process in someone's life. And that's true for you and that's true for me. So, so what's going to happen? Imagine, imagine what could happen in your family. Imagine. If your family begin to pray bold prayers like that, and by the way, it doesn't matter how much Bible you know or, or how long you've been going to church or how old you are or how young you are, that's not the issue here. What would happen if we began to pray at the end of all of our little, little self-centered, silly prayers that some of us pray? And at the end of all of that, we said, Oh, God who is at work in this world, would you enable me to speak your word with boldness? Imagine what could. And imagine what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ started praying those kind of prayers. I, I want you to take a look at this story as a way to imagine just that. <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm waiting for my uh, my friend Kelly. Uh, 
uh, well, I say he's my friend. I, he's my neighbor. He just moved in a few weeks ago, and he's, uh, I don't know, he's, he's checking on something. He had to make a phone call to his lawyer or something. He's going through a really hard time, and it's really difficult, and it's, <laughs> and he's, he's funny. He just, uh, every time he sees me, he has to talk to me. Talk, 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 talk. I, I don't like to talk. I don't like talking to people. I, I'm just not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with the small talk and the awkward conversations and the, the pauses. And I just, it's not for me. I, I don't even really talk to my neighbors. I don't even really know my neighbors. I mean, there's, there's Red Door across the street. Well, I mean, I don't know their names. So, you know, I give them nicknames, right? So, Red Door across the street and Crazy Dog is catty corner to us. Um, and over here, we've got Rick Doug. Um, it's funny because the first six months that he lived there, we thought his name was Rick, but it turns out it's Doug, so Rick Doug. <sighs> yeah, I just, I don't like talking to people. I don't like talking to my neighbors. My neighbors don't talk to me. I don't talk to them. It's all good. I like it. And then Chatty Kathy moves in on the other side, and everything changes. I know, I know. That's horrible. It's horrible to say. I know. I get it. He's... He really is a nice guy. He's very nice. And, and like I said, he's had a lot going on. And, it, you know, I, it's a tough time. And I hate seeing people go through tough times. I feel like I need to help. I want to help. I feel like I should say something. He's obviously, you know, yeah, he, he needs Jesus. And I should talk to him about Jesus. But I don't like talking to people in general. How am I going to talk about Jesus? I mean, how do you even broach the subject? Hey, man. Sorry about that. Ah, no worries. Everything okay? Yeah, you know, uh, it's ex-wife stuff. Sure, sure. I understand. can get a little nasty sometimes. Yeah, I understand. And I, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, listen, uh, Kelly, I, I, I've been meaning to talk to you about something, and it, it's, it's kind of weird. I just, uh, you know, been thinking, and, uh, well, it's, you know, it's... This thing, and I, I, I know, just say it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, so, I, you know, you've been going through a hard time, and I, I, I just want you to know that I've, I've been there. I, I've, I've gone through some tough times myself, and, uh, um, <clears throat> you, know, you know, Jesus helped me get through that. Now, I don't want to offend you, but, but, you know, he did. Jesus helped me get through that, and I think Jesus could help you. Okay, uh, Jesus from the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so Jesus can help me with yes, this. Absolutely. Right, okay, I, yeah, I, I, see, uh, I see where you're going with this. Okay. You know what, how dare you what? judge me? What? I mean, you don't even really know me. And you come at me all judgmental like that? No. No, I mean, no, you no, probably no. have like this magic book or something that tells you how to go save the world. You think, oh, he's got a problem. So he just needs Jesus to come and fix all of his problems. Oh, well, guess what? I don't need Jesus, okay. okay? And I tell you what, if you come at me again talking about God or Jesus or whatever else, so help me, God, I will kick your... I don't think it'll go like that at all. Um, at least I hope it won't go like that. I can't say for sure. I don't really know the guy that well. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't... I don't, I don't want him to think I'm crazy. 
I just I, I don't want to be that guy, that guy, that 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 faith man, Bible man, Christian Uber dude wearing the Jesus shirt and shoving God down people's throats. I, I don't want that. I don't. I don't want him to think I'm that guy. Hey man, hey. sorry about that. Sure, sure. You know, uh, ex-wife stuff. It gets a little crazy sometimes. I understand. <laughs> Listen, uh, Kelly. Um, I've been doing a lot of prayer, meditation, okay. um, and I, I've been thinking that I have a really good friend that I think you would benefit from meeting. Well, I mean, hey, listen, I appreciate that. I've got a really good lawyer, though. Oh, no, so. Kelly. No, he's no lawyer. <laughs> he's a Jewish carpenter. <laughs> what? And he is my co-pilot, and I would like very much to introduce you to my Jewish carpenter friend. Would you like that? Probably not. Would you like to break bread with me? <laughs> come on, Kelly. Come on. Are say you yes. all right? Come on. Say yes. Say yes, 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 the Lord. Come on now, Kelly. Come on now. Are you okay? Of course I'm okay. Well, I've been bought by the blood. I'm lost in his love. I'm forgiven. I'm freed. I'm Abraham's seed. I am too stressed to be distressed. I am too blessed. Can I get an amen? No. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What? Yeah, I'm waiting no on thanks, a word. No Kelly. Kelly, I'm getting a word. You need to turn or burn. Oh, my word. Do you want to go to hell, Kelly? Hell's not swell. Turn or burn, man. Turn or burn. You are crazy. Oh, Lord, I hope it doesn't go like that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't, want him, I don't want him to think I'm crazy. The whole neighborhood, I'll be the neighborhood weirdo. Little kids will run away from me in fear. Mommy, don't let him talk to me about Jesus. I'm overthinking this. I'm overthinking this. I'm being too negative, right? I'm being too negative. That's what it is. I mean, who knows? I, he'll probably be very open to the whole thing. This will probably go much better than I ever imagined. Hey, man, sorry about that. No problem. No problem. Everything okay? Yeah, it's, you know, ex-wife stuff can get sure, a little crazy sometimes. Sure. Listen, you know? Kelly, you know, you've been going through a hey, lot. I can't. Jeff, Jeff, let, me, let sure. me stop you right there. Okay. Man, listen, you have something that I want. I mean, you've got exactly what I need, I think. I mean, I, I look at you and I think, that guy is happy all the time. I mean, look at him. He, Jeff, you, you've got like a, like a tangible aura about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're glowing. Well, I am cool. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, just, I just wonder, could, could you help me? Could you... Maybe pray for me? I'm sure. Lead me to Christ, Jeff. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, not gonna go like that either. Oh, oh, this is just freaking me out. I, I, I'm overthinking it. I know I'm overthinking it, but every time the idea comes to me, I just start sweating and I get nervous and I just. Like I said, I don't want to be the neighborhood weirdo. I don't want to be the guy that everybody's afraid to talk to. And I. I already don't like talking to people. And then, well, what if I just blow it? What if I bomb? What if, what if, what if I, I say something that's not even in the Bible? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a seminary student. 
But then when I look at the other side of the conversation, the equation, it's, it's pretty clear there's, there's not much of an alternative. I mean, here's a guy who's opened a door for me and what? I'm too afraid to, to walk in? What, what, what if I'm his last chance? What if I'm the only one the one shot that he has to hear about Christ. What, what if the only thing standing between him and hell is me? What if I'm this guy's last chance? Hey, man, sorry about that. What if he's counting on me? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray today for men and women in one of our rooms today that it's just so hard for them at work. They've got to be so professional and they've got to be so polished and they've got to be so careful to talk. And, and Father, I just pray that you would just give them courage. And that when it is appropriate, that you would give them the courage to speak your word with boldness. For teachers who started or are going to start school this week, who have amazing influence in the lives of boys and girls, coaches, would you give them great courage? to speak your word with boldness. For the women who have a network of friends that goes from tennis to work to school to PTA, would you give them sensitivity to the opportunities that are laid before them on a daily basis? And would you give them great courage and would you give them great boldness to ask the question or to give the book or to make the invitation to explain why it is that we do what we do, whatever it is that we do. And would you, Father, give them great courage and boldness for our teenagers and for our children, Lord, for our single adults, wherever they are in life, Father, as a church and as a congregation, would you enable us to speak your word with boldness? We thank you, God, that we're not responsible for outcomes because you, O sovereign God, have taken that responsibility. We give it to you willingly, all results and all outcomes. And in all of our environments today, we're going to pray bold prayers, God, and maybe you've come today and you've slipped into a huddle for the church and as the coach is calling a play for the team and as a visitor, you're here. And you've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Right where you're seated, would you just pray with me? And would you just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive salvation. 
before we say amen today, I want to challenge you as a church to pray bold, bold, bold prayers. And the moment we're going to come to the altar or wherever your campus pastor says, and on your way in you were given some cards that say bold prayer on them. And I want to encourage you to write someone's name or maybe even a prayer out, maybe multiple names. But I want you to pray boldly. I want you to pray boldly, Father, could, would you use me to lead them to Jesus? I want you to pray boldly, Father, would you heal them? I, I want you to pray, Father, would you reconcile that relationship? Would you pray a bold prayer on the behalf of someone that God lays on your heart? And when you finish writing that prayer out, I want to encourage you to bring it here to the altar and, and to pray over it and then to leave it. And, and then when you leave yours, I, I, I want you to take another with you and to pray somebody else's bold prayers with them this week. I've given you two cards so that you can write it on two cards, one for you and one to leave. And then you also take a card back and you pray. And this is how we do prayer requests with thousands and thousands of people. And I don't want any of that silly unspoken stuff today. I want us to pray bold, bold, bold prayers. And so as you write your prayer out and you have it finished, you come and you lay it on the altar and you pray. And then you take somebody else's card with you. The team is going to come and they're going to lead us in worship. We're going to respond and we're going to pray boldly together.